Welcome to The Imperfect Brand, the only business podcast that asks real business leaders to share their experiences of running real businesses so that we can all benefit from their hard-won knowledge. I'm Benjamin Kelly Richardson, your host, and today I'm talking with Duncan Bennett, Managing Director of Not Sport. Over the last 35 years, Not Sport has established itself as an expert in the design, planning and supply of synthetic pitches for sport and leisure venues, and they remain the only official facilities partner to England and Great Britain hockey. Duncan, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for uh, asking me to come on. Oh, my pleasure. I've got a little question that I always start off with a sort of a conversational question to begin with, um, and I've taken a bit of a look through your career history. Obviously, you've been, what is it, over 15 years with not sport. But the question that I was uh, left with is, what takes a Telegraph travel writer to the world of AstroTurf? Ah, you have been looking at my uh, my, <laughs> uh, my employment history. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, um, I went travelling in 2001 after I finished my degree in sports science. Um, had very little idea as to what I wanted to do uh, after I got back from traveling. I had a great year traveling, uh, as anybody that's done it will, uh, will, will no doubt agree. Um, and I got back and I had a, a, a rack load of debt and um, uh, I'm being honest, I was looking for um, some work. And my brother worked at Not Sport. Um, a, a lady in the office had gone on um, maternity leave or was about to go on maternity leave. And um, uh, my brother said, you, you need you need some money here's a role and, and I wanted to get a job in London uh, at the time I'd worked in Sydney when I was traveling and I uh, I'd enjoyed the big city life and uh, and the sort of everything that goes with it um, built up a bit of a, a experience in in, in in sort of sales as a result and thought oh, okay that's where I want to go so the job flexibility that uh, was at not sport um, on that cover role led me to be able to apply for jobs in London anyway fast forward to six months later and um, I'd obviously made some degree of impression for better or worse and the day I got offered a job down in London um, the sales manager at Not Sport at the time um, offered me um, a job I'd also met what, uh, Gemma who's now my wife so everything sort of uh, coalesced into uh, making the decision to stay and um, uh, and so with the tenuous link to sports science and not sport being involved in synthetic sports surfacing, uh, it sort of fitted the bill. And uh, and yeah, that was 2001 into 2000, sorry, 2002. So yeah, it will be 20 years of it not sport in February next year. So uh, there you go. That's, uh, that's how you go from writing a, uh, a travel log in the Telegraph uh, youth section when I'm backpacking <laughs> to... to, to to join in a synthetic turf company in Leicestershire. I was going to say, so it was um, a travelogue for for the youth section, was it of, of the ma the magazine? Yeah. So so um, uh, when I went travelling, I wanted to be a writer, um, a journalist, and um, and so I wrote a, a, out the blue uh, email request, I guess it was at the time, to um, the, the 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 newspaper. And somebody had passed it to um, uh, Catherine Ellsworth, that was the T, T2 editor at the time. And um, she said, listen, send me some stuff. If it fits the bill, then um, we'll, we'll put it in the um, youth section on because uh, we haven't got anybody traveling. So it'd be interesting for, for, for the sort of 16 year, 18 year old, uh, 16 to 18 year old demographic to, to see what that looks like. So I sent my first one in, binned, rejected, uh, and thought, right, I'll give it another go. 
Um, sent another one in and she went, actually, yeah, this has got something. Um, and then about, I think it was about seven or eight articles in the end got published. Um, and, and I was due to go into the Telegraph on work experience, no pay or, or anything like that. Um, and, um, and then Catherine got seconded to the West Coast of America um, and became their entertainment uh, uh, um, editor over there. So I, th I think it's fair to say my my uh, um, uh, work experience was something that was got forgotten about in 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 in, in understandably. So yeah, that, that never came to pass. And and, and really, yeah, although I, I continue to write sort of for for enjoyment, um, it, it never got further than that in terms of a journalism career. And what sort of things do you tend to write nowadays? Well, I got two children, so another uh, <laughs> feeling. It, it, it tends to be uh, uh, making up stories to, for their uh, enjoyment, or, or or not, as the case may be. Um, and also, um, uh, yeah, getting time to write is is is, is very difficult. So my my daughters are aged uh, three and seven, so uh, yeah, the, 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 there comes a point where, uh, um, as much as I'd like to score them away, you know, in here and 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 write reams of stuff, it's uh, it's not very conducive to a. Uh, a, a happy working family life so uh, so yeah my, the, the dream is to use something like when I'm sat in here uh, and, and, and do some writing uh, in the coming years but at the moment yeah it's uh, impromptu making up of stories for kids and that's, uh, that's where I'm at. Fantastic well thank you for treating me to your story um, of where you, where you kind of came from I mean that is that is why I started the podcast really was because um, nobody has this perfect career path you know nobody really has this perfect um, way of getting into things and, and, and stuff happens along the way and you, and you kind of roll with it um, and it's interesting you know you were saying that you'd had that moment suddenly where the perfect in inverted commas offer had come up in London the thing you'd wanted and yet your life had almost uh, carried on it wasn't waiting for the perfect moment was it it was just getting started so um, thinking about that and thinking about where things went next, um, what other story have you got for us about um, an imperfect moment later in your career? Yeah, so uh, I've been fortunate enough to have a very supportive uh, um, board of directors all, all the way through my um, career at Not Sport, and obviously people have moved in and out and, and moved on. Um, the owner of the business has is, is, is always supported, not just myself, but, but anybody looking to move, move through. Um, and again, you know, to use that phrase again, for better or worse, I've always put my hand up and, 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 and sort of said, look, you know, I think I can take on more responsibility or do more. I've got an idea here. Um, and, 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 and so, yeah, plenty of my ideas have been uh, proven to be pretty terrible. Uh, um, the odd one seems to have worked. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, you know, my biggest learning experience was, was, was becoming managing director in, in 2015. And um, uh, there was various things that I was tasked with doing. But uh, I was 30, um, yeah, 36 at the time, uh, been a director for a couple of years, but I was asked to present a, or produce, I should say, um, a five-year growth strategy. Um, and, and I did it. Um, and, and looking back, there were some good elements to it, but, but certainly, yeah, to use the word imperfect, would be probably looking upon it quite kindly. Um, but um, but yeah, that 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 leap into the unknown is something uh, I guess we all get asked to do at times, um, and some people embrace it, some people uh, get scared by it. Uh, I sort of sit somewhere in the middle, probably. And so yeah, very much learning at that point in 2015. Okay, everything 
has gone pretty well to that point, hence why I've been you know, promoted through the ranks from maternity cover to that point as a managing director. And at that point, getting your probably first real knockback against uh, uh, what, what, what you've done, that was, that was definitely an imperfect moment. Uh, 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 yeah. And where did you start when you were putting that, that plan together? So obviously you were asked to do, as you said, a, a five-year plan, which is no small task you know it's it, it's hard to talk i think to many businesses at the moment that can even plan the next five months let alone five years um what kind of support were you given and where did you start with that process uh yeah good question so um uh, obviously there was some context and background towards it it wasn't just okay managing director day one right produce me a a, a five-year business plan and, and, and Way we go. So um, it had been building into something where we were um, working with our um, bank at the time, who was supportive of a um, innovative new product that we have produced and continue to, 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 to sort of uh, sell. Um, and um, and it had real growth potential. So the idea was how do we encapsulate this to hopefully get further support and backing. Um, um, but, but you're quite right. You know the, the old adage of. Uh, uh, you know, uh, every great plan is great until it comes under enemy fire or words to that effect. Uh, that, that was really the, the thing. So I was asked to produce it. There wasn't any template given to me. It was kind of like a bit of a challenge, I think. So, um, yeah, go and find a template that looks like the type of document I would write. Um, and in that template, it gave you some guidance. We did have business advisors at the time uh, and that, that were very supportive. Um, and I was also part of Vistage, um, which some of you, your listeners might be uh, familiar with. And again, the Vistage chair was, was very supportive um, um, in that process and helped guide me um, through his experience of um, doing similar um, for his businesses way back when. So, so yeah, it, it wasn't a case of just lump it and get on with it. And, you know, we'll see you in three months. There was support there. There was background and content that I already had in my head and some of it was written down. That, that just has to be formulated into into a document that that made some degree of sense, I suppose. But it does sound like quite a challenge. Even so, uh, you know, you, it wasn't necessarily like you say a kind of bomb dropped on you from from a great height. But this idea, I think, um, I'm interested in that that people are essentially given these tasks that almost it seems to me like it hadn't have been done before. Yeah. Because if it yeah if it had been done before, you would have had something to work on. And um, I remember when I was uh, back in the day, when I was a journalist, video game journalist, um, for my sins, there was an approach which was, was to a degree from the uppers, from the people on the top, I got here without any help. Nobody helped me, nobody gave me a leg up, nobody gave me what I needed when I needed it. And that's why I'm here. And I think to some degree that's in, all, in a lot of businesses, that sense of um, I'm here because I had to fight for it, because I had to really go through trials to get here. And therefore, I'm not going to help you or give you sort of stuff to start from, because I think that will actually you know, fail you. And, and, and I honestly, I disagree with that. I think there's that element of, of everybody can power up, you know, people below it. Again, why I've started the podcast. So um, what I'm really interested in is, is, is that moment when you're told, go away find something that sort of looks like something that sort of might work where did you begin i mean where did you look at obviously you said about vistage but were there was it books was it online resources what did you look for 
Yeah, yeah, I think all of the above. I did speak to the advisors um, that, that, that I've mentioned already, um, spoke to a few friends that, that are in um, positions where they were being asked to produce maybe not a five-year business plan, but plans for a department or, or, or plans for um, um, development of a product or something along those lines. And then, yeah, yeah, you know, um, good old Google. Um, and that, that that's always a, a good place to go. And I must admit, I think... Um, uh, um, it's easy to be uh, um, uh, to raise a smile and, 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 and a knowing uh, sort of uh, look. I'm not saying you did, by the way, but people when you say, "Oh, where did you go?" Uh, oh, you know, Google. I think I think people see that as an easy route to finding you know something. But actually, it's got a place in and amongst all of like you say your research. Then then you know there's some really good free advice, templates, downloads, podcasts um, that that you can access that can that can really broaden your thinking about the tasks that you're being asked to do and that might not be a five-year business plan that could be something um, more, more prosaic and day-to-day -day, but there's still a lot of uh, information available to you uh, again perhaps a bit of a tangent what I can't em envisage in my head or fathom is if I was asked to do it 20 years ago where you would start I haven't in that in my mind for people that have been through it in the you know 80 but pre-internet pre what I mean, you've got libraries. I get that. I didn't use libraries. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that uh, young. But but um, but but um, you know that that volume of information that is a click away. A lot of it no good, but some of it very good, and you've got to you know sift through it. But but to have that a click away compared to 30 years ago, where you know I did my degree sort of just at the um, uh, dawn of the uh, of the internet. So use that to your advantage to do to do a five year business plan. I don't know. So. So you're right. And again, you know, youthful, probably arrogance up to a point as well. So if other people can do it, I can do it. So 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 there is that element to it that, that again, five years on, six years on. Um, yeah, you look back and you think, well, knowing what I know now, I, I know I'd have been a lot more structured in the questions I asked back of the people that were asking me to produce it. Whereas at that point, yeah, no real knockbacks and no real... Uh, um, uh, really big um, uh, um, issues that you'd kind of come along yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. mean I, I guess that's it was it almost did you sense that it was almost an initiation in your new role um I don't think no because I, I, I might have portrayed it in a way that isn't fair um as I say it, it was a it was a development of my role as mm. sales marketing director um into managing director so this wasn't as i say just a yeah it type thing it was a process where okay when this happens and this first november date in 2015 was the, the, the sort of nominal date that we'd identified to time with the um, new financial year is our financial year work that starts first november you know this is where we'll be wanting to see the start of this you know um, plan being pulled together so yeah i had months in advance notice that this was going to be on the horizon and in there therefore i did do some prep work and i did do some research i spoke to people within the business and those business advisors and and, and got uh, uh, some some level of um, reassurance that it was something that i could pull together um as i say i think n knowing what i know now knowing my way around a uh, PL sheet and a budget sheet far better than I ever did then uh, for obvious reasons yeah I'd be a lot more pointed in some of the questions that you know 
yeah, to give me the full context of the um, of, of the situation that, uh, that that you'd start any business plan from. Whereas, yeah, I was you know, naive and and, and, and and what have you in thinking that this new product that we call Shockwave um, would be taken on in 2015. It launched that year, uh, worked really well on the first job. We were, we'd done two years research and development on it. We were really confident that this would be a product that would launch into Europe, launch into North America potentially as well. And, and, and just this last week, I've been in Cologne at our biannual trade fair and it's now that all the things we were talking about in 2015 are resonating in Europe. And even now, that isn't um, 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 the, the conversation that's happening in the UK. We're, we're behind Europe by common consent in sustainability, environmental uh, impact, reducing quarried aggregates and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, somebody wasn't nice enough to, 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 to say last week that, yeah, maybe realistically we were six years ahead of our time a little bit with the product. Um, so, so yeah, at that point, that was the, the reason we were putting this plan together, trying to demonstrate how the growth would happen. And, and, and at that point, I hadn't thought that we would hit a barrier. Um, I thought everybody would take it on because it was obvious to me that all these benefits are going to be fantastic and benefit the environment. It's going to maybe cost a little bit more initially, but there's going to be a live cost saving, et cetera, et cetera. And he, as I say, we're just now in 2021 seeing Scandinavia the stereotype does, does carry a little bit in terms of the environmental sustainability side of things that's where we had a contractor from sweden on last week saying right yeah if we had your product we would win every tender we went for because it hits every single one of the um, requirements that we're being asked to deliver and it's slowly sort of coming around if you like uh, through western europe into britain but i'd say it's still a good two or three years away from uh, from really being we're on the as i've put it we're on the start of the tipping point. We're walking towards it, but we still aren't quite there yet. And I think it might go quicker than what I'm saying, but we're definitely seeing the conversations going that way. So back to the business plan, that was what it was based on. That was, yeah, growth here, growth there. Everybody's going to buy into it. And of course, yeah, six years on, we, we, we've done well out of it, but not to the degree that the business plan sort of uh, was, 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 was projecting. I love though when you were saying that you would ask more questions of the uh, of the people you know the, the I guess the board you know your fellow yeah. leaders and um, just thinking about this cannot be a, a, an unusual experience for a new MD to come into role and you know obviously when when people come into a new role there's an expectation that you this is the new broom kind of thing isn't it you know change begets change so there's a change in leadership which gives opportunity to to make something happen thinking about anybody who's listening who's in that kind of situation whether it's an md role or just a leadership role um, elsewhere what would you say if you pick three questions to ask of the people setting you this what is essentially a strategic uh kind of task what are the three core questions that you would want to have asked uh back at that time in the original moment yeah um so um just just throwing myself back to, to, to 2015 so speaking for myself the first thing i would do is better consultation with staff so that doesn't quite fit into the context you were arguing there but the, but i think yeah I, again i assumed naively that that all this would happen and everybody would follow you know in in, in, in you know, some damascus conversion or whatever and 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 uh, uh, 
yeah, and it would just work and everybody, everybody would washed along. I th I, I, yeah, I, you, you know, that, that probably was a, not probably that, but that was definitely incorrect. Should have done more staff consultation to say, right, this is what we're looking to do. This, this is where we see it working. It's going to, although it's a sports application, it's going to support your area of the business because it's going to generate additional profit that we can invest into R&D, into marketing, into play, into cricket or whatever it may be. But what the perception was, I think, with, uh, with hindsight was that, well, great for sport, but, you know, what am I going to do with it? Uh, and we didn't get that full buy-in that, that I, I thought would just happen organically. So for anybody in that situation trying to make change or to push a, 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 a plan forward, I think definitely getting everybody pulling in that direction and understanding, yeah, there are going to be areas that benefit more than others, but the bigger picture is that as a business, it's going to benefit everybody. That's, that's certainly number one. Um, second thing I would ask is, um, okay, I've got a great plan and, it, you know, I think it was at the time a, a good, not great, but good uh, plan. Um, where, have we got sufficient um, investment to deliver on it? So um, uh, what I didn't appreciate then was that um, the, the amount of investment you need to deliver something over and above the day-to-day -day norms of a business. Um, so yeah, I looked at the balance sheet, the PL, and, and the budget for the following year. And yeah, we've got surplus cash. Okay, so we can use that there, there, and there. And yeah, again, somewhat naively, uh, arrogantly uh, thought that, you know, once I met people and explained the benefits, they, they, they'd buy into it. But actually, you need much more than that. You, you, you need to, I'll pause at that point and just row back slightly. That may be enough for you. But in my experience, we needed a lot more capital investment to create um, either boots on the ground in Europe or in America where they could take the, uh, the product and, 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 and sell it on a par with other, whereas um, we were trying to do it in a way that had been successful in the UK by engaging with the governing bodies and then getting the governing bodies to buy into it so that they helped them you know, sell it, but, but, but they were aware of it. And then when people were talking about their projects, it would be part of the conversation and you're hoping that something in that conversation would, 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 would create a hook to create leads. That didn't really exist in different parts of the, of the world. And again, so that was a learning experience. So, so definitely better questions, engagement of staff, better understanding of the investment required to make the changes or develop the project or the product that you're looking to do so that you can look back and go, okay, actually, this is gonna have a good chance of working. We might have enough money actually, so that's that needs to be discussed and signed off, of course. But more likely, in my experience, is actually if we're going to do what we want to do, we need additional investment. And then the challenge, of course, in any period of time, is getting that investment um, on on a on a level and a balance that suits you and allows you to do what you, you wanted to do. It also gives the the investors the you know the return on investment they want in a period of time that that might not be always realistic. So again. I think sort of wrapped up two things in you know in one there better questions of where you can get the investment to deliver on the strategy and then also better understanding of the markets into which you're trying to uh, um, grow the product and the, and the sales so that you can put all that back into the business plan and understand realistically from a, from a whole uh, picture point of view if we're going to do this this is what we need. If it's not achievable to do that, okay, what's the phased approach to it and, 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 and redress your, your vision and your strategy accordingly.
And is this an exercise, um, obviously you, you talked about the last sort of five or six years since that time has, has pushed forward this product to a degree that it is now. Um, after you hit that kind of roadblock, if you like, with that original plan in 2015, was there a development of a, of a secondary plan? Is this something that you've done for other projects since then? So you feel like you're, you're a bit more into the process? Yeah, um, again, good question. I think uh, what we did was not make the initial growth that would have funded the, the next phase. So, so at that point, if you don't make the initial growth, you've got to roll back, almost start at, at square one again. And, um, and, and work out what that allows you to do or, or more accurately what it allows you not to do. Um, and then, and, and so we did that. Um, and then it, um, as a second plan uh, to, to, or second sort of strategy, um, we re-engineered the product to try and overcome some of the um, issues that had been fed back to us by contractors, you know, the cost of it, the, um, 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 uh, the amount of, uh, um, the thickness of the product, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, and the the the, the um, impact those bits had on the bigger picture. So, if we can solve um, one thing, that will actually solve other elements to it. So, by reducing the thickness, we can get more product on a tile, uh, on a pallet, I should say, which reduces the transportation costs, which reduces the cost. It's a thinner tile, so that reduces the cost. It, luckily, through the R and D that my colleagues did, did a brilliant job on. Um, and they were able to demonstrate the performance wasn't necessarily affected. So, so yeah, that, that sort of marginal gains thing, isn't it, in the exactly. world of sport? Yeah, yeah, and 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 also, we were. I don't know if it's luck or, luck or not, but but in doing what we did, right by re-engineering the product, it it solved a few of the other things that have been flagged up as well. So that might not always be the case when you re-engineer something; it might just solve that initial. Um, obstacle, but actually it brought about some 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 some, some added benefit as well. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think I think um, uh, uh, I mentioned it earlier. The conversations in and around sports construction have sort of reached a, a, a position where they support the type of product that we're looking to do. And there's others on the market as well now, of course, uh, in six years, you know, we're not, uh, you know, sat there as the only provider or something along these lines. But but we can demonstrate in the ground evidence over a seven year period that perhaps new products can't and things like that. So so that gives us an advantage, having been sort of disappointed with the, um, the, 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 the situation back in 2015-16. In a funny way, we, we're sort of uh, benefiting from it now. And uh, thinking about now and in fact, thinking about now and into the future. What's the, the bleeding neck problem that you're facing right now, that the thing that has to be addressed to keep your business uh, growing and, and moving forwards? Yeah, and, and, and funny enough, it links directly to what we were talking about there at the end of that last question, that if you're of a persuasion that wants to be negative about the artificial grass synthetic turf industry, you would say, and, and it's true, we're ripping out natural turf and we are putting in plastic. And, 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 and for better or worse, plastic has got you know all the negative connotations attached to it at the moment. We, we're sat doing this while the um, uh, COP26 is going on, and, 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 and um, there's going to be huge um, um, legislation passed by the EU, um, not just for our industry, across industry, um, to um, reduce the amount of microplastics um, um, added to the environment. That's the big thing that, that um, that's going to happen next year. So that covers um, uh, microplastics in clothes, 
It covers microplastics in agriculture, slow release fertilizers, in cosmetics, the little beads that you've got in um, shower gels and stuff, exfoliations, all that uh, is microplastic. So that will be uh, 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 fall under the, um, um, uh, the ban that's going to be introduced. In our world, um, it impacts on the um, infill products that get applied to football and rugby pitches. So if you if you if you're a rugby fan, you'll have seen Saracens play on artificial turf or Gloucester have just changed to artificial turf. Well that that rubber crumb black bead that, that goes everywhere if you've ever played football on a five-side pitch like that. Um, that is going to be uh, a, a clusters of micro or it is a microplastic and it's going to be um, either regulated um, to a point where it has to be limited or and we're not sure yet, um, um, banned outright. And so um, 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 necessity being the mother of invention and all that, um, currently our industry is trying to find non-plastic alternatives to that infill. Um, and then, you know, it, it would stand to reason to assume that if we're using plastic grass, um, to, 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 to put, a, put a blunt spin on it, that that will also at some point come under the um, um, spotlight from 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 a, from a similar sort of environmental impact point of view so so the bleeding uh, uh, yeah next thing is is to try and produce designs products solutions and work with partners across europe and the rest of the world to um, argue or redefine or, or challenge the conventions of how the industry has been constructing pitches and playgrounds and uh, everything else within the industry for 30, 40 years. And of course, there's people that have been there for far longer in the industry than I that, that have, you know, rigidly set steadfast on providing a tarmac base. And that is the only thing you can do to build a pitch, um, which is, you know, it is an option. But if you're quarrying, you know, the side of the, a hill for, for an infinite supply of stone at some point, you know this is this isn't sustainable so that's where i think our challenges in the industry and as a business is uh, well, the, the challenges for the industry to get better the challenge for our business we believe is to be um, taking a lead on that so that we can take best advice solutions design improvements and betterments to customers in the marketplace uh, and we believe in doing so we'll be um, you know building a, um, a strong position for the for the coming month well, years uh, and hopefully decades to come. And so you talked a lot there about um, the traditions, the sort of the old way of, of doing things. And obviously, uh, I mean, marketing in itself falls into that, um, that quite often. But the really good sort of processes that come out often, like you said, the, the obstacles of the mother of invention. Um, do you have any, might be difficult to answer, but do you have any immediate examples of where you've, you've taken an obstacle like this and now you're actually either using um, it as an opportunity to engage with people, to educate people, say, to help change perceptions, or where you're innovating on a product level to, to basically solve a problem before it comes, you know, irreversible. Yeah, so, so again, I think we've always been pretty good at this, which is accepting where we can influence what we can do as a business and what we can't do, crucially. So we aren't a massive manufacturer of yarn 
or fiber for artificial grass that, that that's that's a part of the industry that is sat well removed from i mean we, we know the people involved but with it is sat removed from what we do day to day as a business and that really is where the big budget r d stuff is it's uh, largely uh, um, um, petrochemical um, owned businesses or influence businesses at least if they're not owned and so they these guys have got you know not bottomless pits of r d money but but that is they're the guys that are going to come up with the alternative to our plastic grass whether that's you know seaweed or hemp or whatever goodness knows what um it will be that 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 is where that will sit so what we think we can do is 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 take take what we know and our heritage of um designing and, and overseeing the construction of um sports pitches for example for, for, for 37 years and say right okay we know there are different maybe a lot better but different ways that you can put um a, a pitch into the ground and that might mean that you can reduce uh, i keep going back to quarried aggregate as an example the amount of stone that you need to dig out and put into the ground or maybe you can use recycled stone or maybe you can um, um, use innovative ways to create um, drainage attenuation which is another big thing obviously everybody reads in the paper about the increasing risk of flooding well every project of our type has to incorporate a very robust drainage design and to ensure that we don't increase the risk of flooding elsewhere and at the moment more commonly go back to stone yet again um you, you build a huge deep bed of stone basically and and uh, you increase it or reduce it depending on the amount of water you've got to, to store under the pitch in our opinion there's better there must be better ways of doing it and what that is, I can't tell you at the moment. There's some good products out there that we saw last week that we think might be a, a starting point. We've got our own ideas. And again, it's just harnessing that and, and, and working with the team on the technical and the R&D side and my colleagues on the sports side. They're taking what might be a ridiculously uh, ambitious idea and you know, challenging expectations and, and what people perceive to be possible and you know, a colleague of mine used to say, you know, if we put a man on the moon, then it can't be rockets, you know, it can't be beyond the wit of man to, to come up with a solution on these lines. Um, it might be too expensive, it might not be affordable for us to do it, but but yeah, you know, I've always thought that it's better to ask the question and see what the answer is than just assume that what, what we're doing is the best way. Um, and, and that sometimes upsets people, but uh, and that's, that's the way it goes again. Well, I think that, that hooks back brilliantly to um, the the problem that you uh, you kind of put forward about um, you know not asking, uh, and that you know, sometimes you can be worried, can't you? That you've got to be perfect, you've got to know already. You don't want to ask because it's going to upset people because they're going, well, why are you in this post? You know, if you're asking questions, but also it made me think about um, you reaching out for this travel writing uh, gig and just asking, yeah. and who knows where these things can go? And you know, obviously, it's led where it's led for you now, which obviously your life has sort of taken a a, a route here which um you know looking back obviously has, has been one of quite quite impressive innovation and, and grappling with things and you know like you say with with looking at these challenges as challenges not as problems that you need to sort of you know stick your fingers in your ear and, and ignore so i really appreciate you taking time to share the lessons that you've taken on and, and hopefully um it's something that people can then use for their own um you know situations going forward thank you so much thanks for your time thanks Ben. thanks a lot take care you too Thank you for listening to that episode of The Imperfect Brand and thank you to Duncan for joining me and talking me through a big challenge of his own 
that idea in my head that um, when you become managing director of somewhere that you're the one calling the shots, that you're the one who is looking to other people to complete tasks and to um, fulfil obligations. And yet here, in this good example, Duncan comes in to a role and there is an expectation on him because, of course, he's in a leadership role. He's in a delivery position, even though he's at the head of that business. And looking at the way in which he tackled it from this perspective that he's got now and thinking about you don't have to make that leap into the unknown. You don't have to necessarily take on something that you, not that you don't understand, because obviously, as he said, he talked through the business, he talked to advisors, but that you can ask, that you can reach out, that there is always a place to go. Even if the internet didn't exist, there are the people who've asked you to deliver something that you can ask of and find more information. What are you trying to um, to find from me? What is it that you would really like to see here? What are the stages that we've run through before? So you're not trying to do something for the first time every time, that there's always somebody's lesson that you can learn from. That's about it. And um, I will call an end and just say Forza, everybody, and look forward to speaking to you next time. Take care. Bye.